Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. You know, recently, recently I've noticed an unusual increase in spiritual warfare going on in people's lives right now. Uh, at a level that I haven't seen in a long time. It seems to be a number of people are being attacked in, in all kinds of areas, not just in their finances, not just in, in the workplace, but, you know, even in the mind, the torment in the mind and all that is going on. I've just, I'm hearing of very unusual things going on in people's lives and in their bodies. And, um, with all of this going on, um, I kind of want to hit this topic head on because there comes a time in which, you know, we really have to uh, 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 paint the elephant or paint the dragon for who he is and just let it, let's just kind of let it be known right now um, who our inter- enemy is and what we're up against. But, um, you know, this is a conflict uh, this is not a conflict just between nations and tribes and government leaders. It's not a rebellion or, or a coup that's trying to take place. It's an invisible battle taking place in this invisible realm all around us right now. So it is a battle that is waging, going on. And the Bible says that God's people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Hosea says in uh, in four six that um, the people are destroyed because they do not have the information, the knowledge, the understanding of really what's going on all around them. So it's time we kind of wake up and we realize, okay, there is a battle going on, and we need to make sure that we are engaged in the proper way in seeing the enemy defeated all around us. So in that, one of the areas um, that I, I, I want to express and share about is what I believe is one of, one of the most secret and most powerful weapons when it comes to spiritual warfare. And it's called R-E-S-T. Rest. And what I want to talk about today is breaking that down into three areas. Because it's just not doing nothing that defeats the enemy. It's learning how to be wise with your physical body, your emotional makeup, resting physically and emotionally. It's also about learning how to rest as a believer in the finished work of the cross. You enter into a believer's rest in accordance with what has been done for you on the cross. And then lastly, I want to talk about positional rest. It's a positional rest that you're able to enter into and grow in a level of intimacy with the Lord Jesus that will fill you up to overflowing. 
You know, the early church viewed spiritual warfare in many ways, but they had terminology that kind of categorized what is going on. And in that, you know, you'll you'll read about protection is seen as the armor of God. And we're dealing with fiery darts. And the word is seen as the sword of the Spirit. And so in that, it's framing the terminology of what's going on. Faith is to be the good fight. And we are to wage this good fight in realizing that we have the victory over the evil one. So the early church, they really understood and they were engaged in this spiritual warfare that was going on and they knew how to deal with it. You know, a lot of people think that spiritual warfare is just about binding the devil. But that's a very limited understanding of really what spiritual warfare is. We need to understand one thing and one thing very clearly that the enemy has already been defeated. He really has already been defeated. But how many of you has he tried to convince that, the, that really he hasn't been defeated and that really he does have a lot of power and that you must go into a tug-of-war fight with him on a daily basis if you're going to survive. He is trying to convince you that he's not been defeated. He's not been rendered powerless. He's not been made a public spectacle in front of all of his cronies by Jesus. He's trying to roar and make a sound to get you to think that some reason, some way, he's going to win over you. And so in this, the cross of Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and his resurrection, has won the battle for us. But it's critical that we learn how to enter into the victory, that we learn how to enter into this glorious triumph of our Savior over the evil one. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or strongholds in your mind. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You know, Paul is really making it clear that the battle that is waging right now is in between your two ears. The battle is in the mind. The battle is in here, and this is where this is taking place. 
and our mind is the devil's focus and attempt in getting you to be convinced that this finished work has not been completed. So one of the strategies that the enemy's trying to do is get you to, to be deceived in believing that the cross really did not defeat him. The cross really didn't defeat him. And he still has fought, uh, ability to, to uh, win the battle over you. And he wants you to engage in this tooth and nail. He wants you to enter in thinking that you're having to shut your eyes, fling your fists. You know, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I was in fourth grade and, uh, and, and uh, uh, my friend Jimmy Hart, he was picking on uh, this, this young guy on the bus who uh, he was a little mentally uh, uh, challenged and he was picking on him. And he was in sixth grade and I was in fourth grade. And at that age, a righteous anger rose up within me. And it was the first fight I've ever been in. And I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was scared, but I knew I was to take on that sixth grader. And so I'm on the bus and I shut my eyes. And I just started swinging. I was a swinging. And I was a swing. One of them went pow and opened my eyes and I knocked out his front tooth. And I was like, whoo, I got him. You know, I was like, scored. You know, one of them I missed and I then I hit the window. You know, those little in the window in the bus, you know, you push the buttons and you slide it up, you know, and they hit that and they busted open my knuckle and that hurt. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's so. Well, then, so. But, you know, the enemy doesn't want us just to, like, shut our eyes and think, I'm just going to flail a whale and just try to hope I hit him. You know, he's trying to intimidate us to get into this fight, get you into the ring where he can um, just clean your clock or clock your clean or whatever, something like that. He just wants to do it to you. But, but what the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to accuse you of your mistakes and your failures and your shortcomings. He's trying to bring everything up to you to remind you of your past. He's trying to let you know that you need protection. You need, uh, uh, if you need protection or if you need provision, he's trying to convince you that God is not going to come through for you. So when you believe the wrong thing, what it begins to do is it begins to manifest fears and anxiety in your own life. He's just trying to deceive you enough to get you to believe the wrong thing. So really, true spiritual battle is for what we believe. Do we really believe what Jesus has done when he said, it is finished? Do we believe that? Do we believe it with all of our hearts that he's actually conquered him? So today I want to discuss what I do believe is one of the most effective strategies when it comes to spiritual warfare that God has given us, and that is rest. Isaiah 30, 15 says this, 
The Holy Lord God, the Holy Lord God of Israel had told all of you, I will keep you safe if you turn back to me and calm down or rest. And I will make you strong if you quietly trust me. I will keep you safe when you rest in me. I like what it says in the New King James Version. Um, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So what is living what I would call a rested lifestyle? I want to focus on these three areas, and the first one is physical and emotional rest. Satan has really mastered over thousands of years how to attack. And he knows that and it's not so much how to attack. He's mastered the art of when to attack. It's not how, it's when. And he knows the success of his attack upon you is dependent upon it being at the right time. Coming in right at the right time when you are at your weakest moment. When you're weary, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, he's not going to try to come at you when you're at your strongest point. You just come out of quiet time, you've had a cup of coffee, you're, you know, your good cup, and you're ready to take on the day. That's really not the moment he's probably going to try to go after you. It's after you've had a long, exhaustive week of work. You put in 40, 50, 60 hours. You've been really having to struggle and work through some things. It's kind of difficult maybe paying bills. Your emotional level is down. He waits for the right time. So he's always wanting to get you when your defenses are somewhat down. So incredibly, this was the part of the plan in which when when the devil attacked Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus has been tempted for, for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that, as Scripture says that he was hungry. He was very hungry. I mean, very hungry. And he was weak at that moment. And that was the strategic moment that the devil chose to go after our Lord Jesus. Is when his defenses were somewhat down when he was famished. So he comes at him and he tempts him at the moment in which all of, of battling with him, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, that's when he came after him. So what he's going to do, he's going to try to do the same thing on us. And all, all too often, um, it is our lifestyles that can blame, really can be blamed uh, for the enemy's success in attacking us. And let me explain. Exhaustion can lead to an attack. When you have been up late at night trying to get up early in the morning, 
you're burning the candle on both ends. You are, are, are putting in enormous amounts of time because you're wanting to gain wealth, maybe influence, gain power, get ahead in life. When you are burning the candle on both ends and you're not aware of your body and your emotions, that can be at the moment in which the enemy tries to go after you. And so in that, we are needing to be wise in how we are stewarding our physical bodies. We're not human doing machines. We're human beings that have emotions and have feelings. You need to begin to ask the Lord, how can you steward your schedule such that you're not always being spent? Every minute's being used up. you got to feel like, you know, there was a saying about 20, 30 years in the charismatic music, let's burn out for Christ. Let's just burn out serving him and going after it. I mean, being burned out is the very thing in which the enemy is looking for and trying to snare you and think that really you might be moving forward, but actually he is calculating the moment in which he's wanting to come against you. He's really going against the way that we've been designed. We've been designed to be able to do a lot of things and work. But the body is designed amazingly and that it's said that you can go three times longer without food than with sleep. Our bodies need sleep. Our bodies need to rest. Our bodies need to be refueled. There says when we sleep at night, our bodies even arrange our thoughts. It restores our hormones. There's many things. Our muscles, our tissues are restored when we sleep. Many things take place when we really have a good pattern of sleep. And it's being wise in knowing the patterns of rest and sleep and what you need. Might, you might need a power nap in the afternoon, 20-minute power nap. They're fantastic. I would highly recommend them. Does anybody do a power nap? I mean, Kevin, can uh, he, he can attest to it. You know, I said, Kevin, I got my 20-minute power nap coming in. So I go in, baby. I'm like, I lay down, and I did 20 minutes is fantastic for me. It just keeps me fueled up. But I'm having to listen to my body. I can't just press through. I can't just think, oh, you know what? I can do it. You're just wearing yourself down, and you weren't designed to live that way. So in that, we need to look at creation. I mean, God worked six days, and then he rested on the seventh. He quit working. He stopped. How many of you are including in seven days a day of rest? It's important that you have a day in which you have said, I'm just going to relax. I'm going I'm to rest. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to get refueled. It is imperative that we begin to have a day of rest. I mean, if he rested, created the whole universe, and then he kicked back, I think we should pattern our lives like that. It's suggesting that really we need it for our own bodies each week. 
The second thing I want to talk about is the believer's rest. Hebrews 4.9, turn with me there. Hebrews 4.9. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works. Just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. Turn with me to Colossians 2.13. Colossians 2.13. It's from the NIV. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Come on, church. He disarmed him, and he took away every power from him that he has over your life. He's taken away the authority that he had over your life at one time, and he took back that authority. And he made a public spectacle of him. He paraded him in front of his cronies. He was a defeated foe. And now he has the nerve to come against you and convince you that he still has all power. Jesus defeated him. And actually, everything the devil has said about you and has tried to convince you about yourself and accuse you to the brethren, Jesus says, I nailed it to the cross. Everything that has been said about you, everything that you're believing about yourself, Jesus says, I nailed it to the cross. It has no power over you. So God entered into a state of rest. He doesn't work anymore. I'm not going to say he's retired, but he doesn't work anymore because he's finished his work. He's resting. And when Christ said those words on the cross, it is finished, it really was finished. It really was completed. There wasn't like a 1% chance. Well, maybe he didn't get that part of Satan. No, he totally annihilated him. He disarmed him of all power and authority. And he openly triumphed over him. But the issue is this. Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Do you believe he has totally defeated the evil one. 
Scripture says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You know, we live in Asheville. You know, it's like anybody that I talk to, um, this this evangelist, this uh, revivalist last night, I, I got to speak with him after church, and he said, um, I said, you know, we have a church here in Asheville, and actually we used to be a part of the same church that he was a part of in Wilmington, North Carolina. He says, wow, you got a church in Asheville? Woo, I bet it's a tough spiritual climate. No, duh, but but the reality is, you know, just I, you know, I want you to understand something. We do live in a in an environment that is very open to every walk of life in Asheville. Very eclectic, is it not? Very eclectic. It's you know, there's no other place on the planet that you can find the Dalai Lama on one corner and a witch on the other corner. I mean, it's just there's no other place on the planet. So the reality is, is that we're in a in a battle. But you know, we even had we had somebody visit our neighborhood this week. And she attempted to walk around our house and was trying to curse our house, doing all kinds of stuff. Well, we just went, you just take your stuff and get out of here. The reality is, is that the blood of Jesus has defeated everything. Any curse that the enemy tries to put upon you, the scripture says a curse without a cause will not alight upon you. So we just sent everything back that she tried to release on our house. We sent it back airmail, and it went right back to where it came from, the pit. So we stand in the authority, and we believe that the enemy has been defeated. No Wiccan, no, no warlock, no nobody has any authority or power over your life. He is a defeated foe. And he's trying to inject fear, making you think, ooh, maybe he does got a little power on me. He has nothing on you. The blood of Jesus has defeated him completely, annihilated him. We can't be walking around timid, thinking, oh, I don't want to upset anything in the spirit realm. Come on. I mean, we're at a place in Jesus that we have got to believe in the totality of the finished work of Jesus Christ of Nazareth has defeated every foe. And I'm telling you what, that's the kind of victory I want to enter into. I don't want to just, you know, tiptoe through the tulips thinking, oh, maybe I'll find it. No, we have it all in Christ Jesus. So either, and how you live a rested lifestyle is not doing nothing. It's by believing in the finished work of the cross. It's believing that everything the cross paid for, you have. And we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We enter in to this glorious victory 
that he won for us. So we can rest. We can rest in knowing that our Lord Jesus has paid for it all. He's nailed everything that the devil has said against us. Every sin that we have committed, Christ paid for it completely. So when he tries to remind you, when he tries to remind you of your past, just say, okay, let me remind you of your future. We, We have to really know what we're dealing with here because he's seated. You know, listen, we're even, as Scripture says, we're even seated We're even seated with him in high places. There's a positional realm of authority that we have been given in Jesus. You know, but the biggest thing is this. God does not want us to be devil conscious. He doesn't want us to always be devil conscious, thinking that the devil is here and there. He wants us to keep our eyes on Jesus. He wants us to keep our eyes on the finished work of the cross. He wants to keep our eyes, he wants us to keep our eyes on the prize of the high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. He wants us to keep our eyes on the reality that we are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And you know what? Once a son and once a daughter, you're always a son and you're always a daughter. It's not like you just get excommunicated out of the family. You're a part of the family of God. And you got to remember that even when you might stub your toe or skin your knee. You just come under the beautiful Grace that's given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ and confess your sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if you're facing challenges such as a lack or fear or sickness or depression, God wants you to stay in a position of rest that is upon what Jesus has completed. You know, I'm so grateful that the Lord loves us even when we fail. You know, it's not like all of a sudden you fall and then God says, okay, I'll let you be given over to the devil. No. We fall, we pick him right back. He picks us right back up. I mean, I mean, I, little label here. I mean, you know, he's learning how to sit up and, and he'll, he'll sit up on his bottom and next thing you know, he gets all excited and he just goes backwards. Boom! You know, and hits his head. You know? And you know, mom and dad just don't let Abel just sit there. They are there to pick him up and to love him. And the reality is, is that the father sees us in a way of every time we fall He picks us back up. That's right. He just woke up to say, yeah. 
The last thing I want to talk about is positional rest. Lana uh, Vassar. You heard of Lana Vassar? She's a prophet, given many prophetic words. She's, she's, got, she's one of the most spot-on prophetic individuals that I have heard in a long time. She's just laser beam, right to what God is saying. She says this, the greatest refreshment, strengthening vision, fruitfulness, and breakthrough is beginning to happen in your life and will explode with great momentum. From the place of being and resting in my love, Many of you have been looking at the rest as a physical thing. Living lives that are not busy, intentionality with your own time, and alignment and boundaries in this season is crucial. But I'm talking about a deeper rest. The rest of your heart, the rest of your soul and of your mind, a rest in my love that secures even deeper your identity. The rest of my love that is stopping the tormenting, racing thoughts and lies and teaching you to renew your mind with my word and in my love. It is happening as you continue to draw deeper. Draw deeper into a place of intimacy with me. It is going to blossom and explode like never before. Now, you might ask, how exactly do we enter into this kind of rest? And the answer is really simple. And that is by sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you're too busy to be with the Savior, to be with the Savior of your soul, if you're too busy to take time to be with the one that loves you with an everlasting love, you are too busy. If you can't take time to be in your word, to be in prayer, to just look into his eyes, then you need to say, Lord, begin to restructure my life so that I can have time with you. Because it is in that place of rest, when you are with him in his presence, that his glory and his goodness and his love is going to flood your soul. And that's what's going to refresh you. It is just like in Luke 10, 38, Mary and Martha. Verse 38 says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Listen to that. Seated at, his, at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all these all this serving? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It is not that working, cleaning the house, 
doing all these things is not important. It is important. But Jesus says there's even a better thing that you must make priority for, and that is to sit at my feet and listen to me, attune your ears to me. Unless you spend time with the Lord, you won't hear the Lord because you're getting too busy and you're not hearing that still small voice that's speaking to you of his love, of his affection, of his care for you. You need to dial it back and realize, okay, I am not being refreshed right now in life because I have become too busy even for myself. You don't need to make an extra dollar. You don't need to make more, have more influence or have more power or just keep, keep going and going and going. We need more time with Jesus. It's there, really, in the presence of the Lord Jesus that fear slips away, that fear is removed from your life. There's been so many times here in, in the recent, in this re- recent weeks, where the enemy does try to release fear and get your mind caught up in fear. And it's it's in those sweet moments with Jesus that all of a sudden that love just expels all the fear. It gets all of the worry out of your mind. And you're able to see that, wow, perfect love really does cast out all fear. Be with Jesus. You love him, right? Spend time with the lover of your soul. He's waiting. He's longing. I'll never forget, I asked uh, Dolores one day, um, my spiritual mother. I said, Dolores, what was one of the most greatest experiences you've ever had in life? And Dolores' life was like, walking through the book of Acts. And and I was talking to her, and I was at her house down in Louisiana, and she pointed over to the sitting room right beside where we were. And she said, one day, um, I was just reading my Bible and having a quiet time with Jesus. And all of a sudden, I heard a noise kind of walking into the house and walking, you know, through the living room where we are right now. And the next thing you know, I'm there in my room, and Jesus appears right there. And he sits down with me for a couple hours and just ministers to my heart and spoke to me of things that I never knew of. I don't know about you, but I want that too. I just want to see Jesus. What a gift for the Lord to appear to her. I mean, right now, there's people, there are Muslims um, all in the Middle East. And, uh, uh, oh gosh, Waldy Vaughn says that one of the greatest evangelistic movements is happening in, in the Middle East because Jesus is appearing to Muslims. He's just showing up. Here I am. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better than that. And you better believe they come to him. When Jesus shows up, 
everything changes. So sitting beside him is ultimately where you'll find rest. So in this, I kind of want to recap this. I, I want you to ask the Lord to really look at your life in its totality and say, Lord, physically and emotionally, how am I doing? How am I doing? Lord, when it comes to standing on the finished work of the cross and entering into the believer's rest, how am I doing? And then thirdly, your positional rest. Lord Jesus, how am I doing? Ask Him. And let Him evaluate your life. Because Scripture says we must be shrewd as serpents and gentle as a dove. We've got to realize we have an adversary, but we're not superman and superwoman. We're not invincible, and we can't just keep going, charging ahead, thinking that everything is just going to be okay. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your life and see if there's any area in your life that you might need to make an adjustment so that we can all be alert and ready and we can be attentive to the things that are going on around us. And all we got to say when the temptation comes, it is written and it's finished. Amen? Okay, let's stand. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.